Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 33. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. We have an interesting topic new to our podcast today with an expert and specialist on this topic. I'm really excited to introduce you to Larry Goins. He's been investing in real estate for over 30 years. He is not new to this game. He has got so much experience in so many aspects. I'm really excited for him to come share his wisdom. He is from North Carolina and has a fun little accent that we don't usually hear on our podcast out here in the West either. So it's going to be fun. Anyway, with that, I'd like to welcome Larry. Thanks for being here, Larry. What's going on? How have you been? <laughs> Great. So happy to have you here. Awesome. Well, Thanks so tell, much. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, what you've done, and, and how it got you to where you are today. Wow. Well, uh, I first got started. I, went, I saw a seminar on TV. You know how those are. They travel, they come around town, and I saw that on TV, and I went to the preview, and then I signed up for the three-day. It was a Tom Vu seminar. And uh, some of you may remember that. I know you're too young to remember that, but uh, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and that's kind of what got me the bug. And so uh, from there, I got my real estate license. I got my general contractor's license. I was a stockbroker for a little while, but I've done all kinds of real estate, Holly. I've done I've done wholesaling, retailing, lease options, subject to short sales, seller financing. I've done commercial, residential, multifamily. I've owned triple net lease properties like Dollar General's and Shoney's restaurants. Uh, I've done land development where I, I went in and bought land, had it subdivided. I cleared, graded, graveled, and paved the roads, and then I built houses on the lots and sold them. So I've done just about anything in real estate. And, uh, but I love residential. There's only two things about real estate I hate, and I hope it's not going to make you mad, but there's only two things about real estate I hate. Other than that, I love real estate. So what are those two things you hate? We have to ask now. <laughs> it's, it's rehabs and tenants. <laughs> oh, okay. You care to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, you know, I do a lot of deals. I've got about 21 deals on my board right now in my office. And um, I do seller financing. I do lease options where I don't call them tenants. They're homeowners in training. And, um, and, and, I, and I wholesale deals as well. But the only deals I've lost money on in the last few years are rehabs. And it seems like anytime I have just a straight tenant, uh, you know, they give me a lot of problems. So I like the homeowners in training because – they, you know, they want to buy it. They feel like they're buying it. Even if it's a lease option tenant, they want to buy it eventually. So they're not going to be calling me every time there's a little problem. I love that. So do you actually have any, what we would call regular tenants, or do you only do the lease option strategy? I only do lease options or seller financing, and that's it. Okay. I, I love it. A man with a plan. You know what you're doing. And you probably got to that from learning about what you didn't like and what wasn't working for you, huh? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I've made a, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years and, uh, and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I still, 
I listen to an average of two books a week. And, uh, and I don't read books. I listen to them on audio. And I love that because I can listen to them at two times the speed. And I can listen to an eight-hour book in four hours. And, wow. and I love it. So I get a lot out of it. And I'm able to pass it on to my students as well and learn and grow from it myself. Fantastic. I love it. Well, I'm all about listening, too. I'm always listening to books and podcasts. I figure if I'm in the car, if I'm cooking in the kitchen, that's an, a learning opportunity. I got these earbuds in and I am going to learn. So exactly. you've got to take advantage of all the time you have. I love it. That's well, why don't we dive into this topic that I'm so fascinated by that you're such an expert on, and that is HUD houses. And I hear you wrote the book on it. So why don't you tell us what is a HUD house and what does HUD stand for? Well, HUD stands for Housing and Urban Development. And a HUD house is basically a house that FHA insured a loan on. Now, FHA does not make loans. They insure loans. You could go down to Bank of America or, um, or Wells Fargo and get a loan. And, and, and if it's an FHA loan, FHA insures that loan. A part of the payment, they're going to charge a, a mortgage insurance premium. And part of that payment is going to the to HUD to insure that loan. So whenever they default, then HUD will buy that house back or buy that loan back, I should say, from Bank of America and then HUD forecloses on it or FHA forecloses on it and then it becomes a HUD house. Fascinating, okay, great education. And I know a lot of people don't know that, so thanks for sharing that. Now, why do you like HUD houses so much? Well, I like them because number one, there's no phone calls, there's no negotiating, there's no direct mail, you don't have to put out bandit signs, there's no marketing, there's no advertising and no expenses. And besides that, a lot of them, many, many, many of them are already listed below market value. Another thing that I really like about them is they also have what's called a PCR, Property Condition Report. Okay, and the PCR basically it lists the major things that are wrong with that house. It's not going to say paint and carpet or anything like that, but it's going to have like a roof, foundation, plumbing, wiring, HVAC, appliances, hot water heater, that sort of thing. Those are the big items. And, and HUD is already, they hire an asset manager and the asset manager has sent a field rep out to inspect the property and they can tell you know, what type of major items are wrong with it. The other thing I like about a HUD house is it's been cleaned out. I've never seen a HUD house that is trashed, okay? They clean it out. And if the house had like animals in it, dogs or whatever, and it was really smelly, they go ahead and take the carpet out as well. So the carpet's already been removed a lot of times. The other few things I like about HUD houses is, number one, you can buy them at a discount. And you can also... There's no deed restrictions on a HUD house. I can buy a HUD house at 10 o'clock for 50000 and sell it for 150000 at 10.30, own it for 30 minutes, and they don't care, okay? And there's also lots of data available as well. Fantastic. Well, and for our listeners that may have never heard the term deed restriction, why don't you define that and talk about that a little bit? Because I know I've been subject to those deed restrictions before when I've bought houses at auction and we have to wait 90 days before we can put it under contract and you're just counting down the minutes. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about deed restrictions then? Exactly. Some sellers, especially some lenders, 
like maybe Fannie Mae, they will have some deed restrictions. And the majority of the deed restrictions you're going to see is going to be something like seasoning. In other words, you can't sell the property for, say, more than 10% of what you paid for it within a 90-day window, like you just mentioned. So that would be a form of a deed restriction, would be a seasoning, a 90-day seasoning before you could sell it. So it really kind of puts a damper on the fix and flip investor. Yeah, it does, because you've got to wait three months to sell it, and then if you're lucky, you could close in 30 days. So it, it does extend your time. I mean, I, I've been there. That's exactly so right. That, that's a challenge. Exactly. Well, so tell me, where do you find HUD houses to buy? Are they on the open market in the multiple listing service, or is there another resource that you find them? Well, now, HUD is basically a daily auction, okay? Oh, okay. All, all bids are submitted at HUDHomestore.com. That's hmm. HUDHomestore.com. And they're all, you can't buy a house anywhere else except HUDHomestore.com. They all have a realtor attached to them, okay? The only person that can submit a bid on a HUD house is a licensed agent, okay? A licensed agent with what's called an NAID number or national identifier number. Now, most agents or their broker already has an NAID number. If they don't, it takes about two weeks to get one. It's not a big deal. But they can only be submitted by an agent with a NAID number or a nonprofit with an NAID, but nonprofits with an NAID are few and far between. So, and as I said, HUD is a daily auction. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is even new to me. I have never participated in this. Is it one national auction or are they held state by state or how does it work? Well, uh, every single HUD house in the U.S. and in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands is at HUDHomestore.com. So um, whatever realtor you have submit the bid, you just have to make sure that it's a licensed agent that is licensed in the state where the property is. For example, we've got a buyer's agent for the Carolinas. He's licensed in North and South Carolina, but we also bid a lot in Georgia. So we have a separate agent that, that is licensed in Georgia that our bids go through. Fascinating. And this auction is held every day online. Is that right? Well, the properties are listed there and they're available until they accept a bid. Once they accept a bid, then it comes off the website and they also pull it off of the, uh, off of the MLS once they've accepted a bid. Now, if the, if the buyer who won the bid does not send in their paperwork in a timely fashion, it'll go right back up on the website. Hmm, interesting. And it sounds like that happens since you're bringing that up, huh? <laughs> oh, it, it does. It does. In fact, every HUD house for the first typically 15 days, it's only available to owner-occupied buyers. An investor cannot bid on it. Now, HUD just recently, this past summer, went through a change and they changed a lot of their asset managers that manage the properties for them in different states. And some of them, some of them would be open to owner-occupieds for five days, some 15, some 30 days. But typically now you see around 15. I have seen a very few of them that will be released to the investor on day one. But that's very rare. Now, once you get past that 15-day period and it's open to investors, then it's called an extended listing. Okay, it's extended past the exclusive 
period of time. And whenever you bid on a HUD house, one of three things can happen, okay? Nothing can happen if, if the agent that submitted the bid, if they don't hear back from HUD's asset manager the following day, the bid simply expires, okay? It just simply expires. Um, but one of the things you want to do, this is a very good tip right here, when submitting a bid, the agent can check a little box in the bid that says, leave this bid open for a backup. Because sometimes, now not very often, but sometimes HUD will accept another bid and then the buyer doesn't follow through and they'll come back and accept your bid as a backup if you let if you check that little box, okay? It, it doesn't happen often. Uh, doing as many deals as we do, it's good for another two or three deals a year, okay? That, so, that sounds great. Once you've decided you want it, why not, right? It's super easy exactly. to check a box, right? Exactly. Now, if, they, if, if your agent does not hear from them, your bid simply expires, okay? And we submit a new bid every day. That's just the way we do it. Now, <clears throat> the second thing that can happen is they counter, okay? They could counter, all right? Um, you, might, you might see a house that's listed for 100000 Maybe you bid 40000 and they countered at ninety. okay? That's kind of typical of what they would do. So, um, so that could happen. Now, if they counter, you can do, now you can do one of four things, all right? You can do nothing and your counter expires, all right? You can counter back, you can submit a new bid, or you can accept their counter, okay? So uh, you can do one of those four different things whenever you get a counter offer. And the third thing that could happen is that they accept your bid. Okay, so tell me about like what kind of a discount can you actually get? I mean, it must be good since you do them. I'm sure you wouldn't buy bad deals. So what kind of a discount? Oh, wow. Well, I've actually bought houses anywhere from 20% a list up to 103% a list. If you'll remember, if you'll remember, I said earlier that uh, a lot of times they're already listed at a discount. I bought a house not too long ago. It was listed for $44,000. I paid $45,601, all right? And we pulled comps and it was, it was already, the comps were coming in at 90 to 120,000. So we bid it up to 103% a list and we bought it for 45,601. We put it on the market with owner financing. Uh, we were going to sell it for $99.9 with $10,000 down. The third person that looked at it, Holly, the third person that looked at it, they said, I've already been approved for a bank loan. I'll give you $89.9 cash. So we took it. And we made $38,000 net, net, net after everything. And we did zero work to the house. That was going to be my next question. Like when you mentioned that they will pull carpets out of a house and here in California, if you don't have floor coverings, you can't get financing. It then becomes, you know, available for cash investors only. Exactly. Have you ever sold a house without floor coverings or do you need to put them in if they've been removed? That's a really, really good point. Now the carpets aren't removed in all of them. Only if the carpet right. was smelly and nasty or whatever, they took the carpet out. But I have sold many houses without carpet, hmm. and I've sold them with owner financing, not gotcha. with somebody getting a mortgage. But this uh, this particular house that I paid 103% a list, we asked the realtor, what kind of work does it need? 
Guess what her answer was? Nothing. Curtains. <laughs> Come on, that's not work. I know, I know. That's why we bought it. That's why we bought it. I love I it. I love it. I love it. So about how many of these HUD homes do you think you've purchased? Hundreds. Wow. Hundreds of them. I got about 21 deals on my board right now in the pipeline, and probably, I'm guessing, 16 or 18 of them are HUD. Wow. So this is a main part of your business. It's not a little ancillary thing. This is, this is a big focus for you. Oh, absolutely. And I love it because it's all automated. I've got Alyssa in my office. She does all of our closings when we're buying properties and selling properties and selling, uh, selling them, seller financing or selling the notes or lease optioning them. But I also have two virtual assistants. I have Mercy and Jean-Paul and they're analyzing deals and submitting bids on properties. I love it. Where are your virtual assistants located? Inside the U.S. or outside? Philippines. Awesome. I love it. So how much do you pay your virtual assistant? Uh, they each make $3.75 an hour. Wow. And it sounds <laughs> like they're pretty skilled and pretty good at this and efficient, right? Well, you know, they really are. Uh, they're in the Philippines now, and I hired them on a website called Upwork, U-P-W-O-R-K. It used to be Odesk, but they got bought out or changed their name to Upwork. But anytime I hire a VA, I always make sure in my ad that my job posting, that, I'm, that I say I'm looking for someone who is experienced. I do not want someone I have to train. And that's really helped and served me well. Now, did you, you still had to do some training for them, I presume, right? Well, just a little bit, but not much. I mean, you know, I, I've got people that know how to analyze properties, Jean-Paul, and then Mercy, she knows how to submit bids, and that's pretty much it. Fantastic. I love it. But what a great system to have, um, and that's definitely a good return on investment of what you pay them. Absolutely. So I'm trying to think where we're at in the whole process. You, you make the offer, the offer's accepted. Uh, is there anything you need to know about how it might be different and how long does it take escrow to close? Yeah, yeah. What we typically do, and you can, whenever you're submitting your bids, you can, uh, you can specify the days, like 30 days or 45 days or whatever. And, uh, but, but whenever you get a bid accepted, you typically have two business days to get all the paperwork in. They're going to email the contract package to your buyer's agent that submitted the bid and you have two days to get it in. And you gotta send in your deposit and sign everything. And with HUD, there's no contingencies and not, it's not subject to inspection, subject to appraisal, subject to financing or due diligence. It's if you put up your money and you don't close, you lost your money. And the way the deposit works, Holly, is if, if you purchased it at 50,000 or less, your deposit is $500. If the purchase price is over 50000 then it's $1,000, okay? That's pretty much the way that works. And as soon as we get a bid accepted, what we're doing is we're pulling comps, we're pulling rent comps, we're driving the street on Google Earth, we might call a realtor or two, we might call a property manager or two, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna check the crime in the area, and then we're gonna determine, do we want to send in our deposit? And then, once we determine that, we're going to send somebody out if it's out away from us because we've done deals in 12 different states and we focus all over the Carolinas and in Georgia. So what we'll do is we'll send somebody out to put out about 20 for sale signs. 
Now, if I'm wholesaling it, the sign is going to say foreclosure, and it's going to have an arrow on it. If, it, if I'm owner financing it, it's going to say owner financing and have an arrow. And we put out about 20 signs all over the area in front of Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, uh, convenience stores, and all over the neighborhood where the house is. And the phone rings off the hook. And um, think about it. If I'm wholesaling a house, if it's in an eighty dollars to $100,000 neighborhood, but... I picked it up for 40 and I'm wholesaling it for 50. If I put foreclosure with $50,000 on the sign, my phone's going to ring off the hook. And a lot of times it's not just fix and flip investors. It could be somebody buying a house that maybe they got a settlement. Maybe they have some money. Maybe they're buying a house for their son and daughter-in-law or daughter and son-in-law. Maybe it's grandparents buying a house for their grandkids, or maybe it's somebody in the neighborhood that just wants to change houses. We did that not too long ago. Person literally, there were two streets back to back and the person literally bought the house right behind them from us. And they literally, to move, they walked everything across both yards. <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. That's some great stories you've got. Well, can you give us some um, more examples of some homes you've bought and the money that you've made on if you're willing to share those numbers your profits oh absolutely absolutely well i bought a house in albany georgia just uh just last month i paid twenty one thousand dollars for it it was move-in ready now it wasn't perfect but it was move-in ready okay but it wasn't perfect but um we sold it on a lease option or we did a lease option homeowners in training and we did that for 59.9 I got $3,000 down and we financed, or not finance, it's a lease option, but I have $650 a month coming in and I have 21,000 in it minus the three. So, you know, I have $18,000 in the house and I'm getting 650 a month for it. Fantastic, I love it. So is your business, um, you and some assistants and virtual assistants, or do you have other partners? Like what's your structure of your business? Well, it's just me and I have multiple entities. I have one entities for buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And I have another entity for buy, hold. In fact, I have multiple entities for buy, hold because you don't want too many assets in each entity. So uh, for the buy and hold or the, uh, the the lease options or the seller financing, we keep those in a separate entity, uh, separate from the buy and sell. And, and listeners, just know that he's not giving legal advice, but what's your personal strategy? Like how many homes would you put in one entity and do you judge it by the dollar value, the gross dollar value, the equity value, or is it just the number of homes? And, and what have you decided on that for yourself? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, it's really not necessarily uh, the asset value. It is to some extent, and it's not necessarily just the number of homes, but it's also the asset class as well. If I've got nice houses in nice neighborhoods, and, you know, I don't have to worry about fighting going on or anything like that. It's not a rough area. I could probably put more assets in that one entity. Now, if I bought a mobile home park, or it seems like when I buy them, they're trailer parks. <laughs> but, but if I have a mobile home park, that's going to be in one entity by itself. Okay. Mm. If I buy a commercial building, it's going to be in one entity by itself. Okay. Okay. 
So it really just kind of depends. I might put 20 houses in an entity and then move on to another one. But if I have something like a mobile home park or, you know, if it's a commercial building or something, it'll have its own entity. I love that you talked about this. And this is such a great point for our listeners. If you're beginning, I know this is all maybe overwhelming and sounds like, oh my gosh, how could you have so many properties? And you know, you get them one by one usually. Sometimes people buy groups, but it's really important to get a CPA that has real estate expertise that maybe you ask them, you know, how many other real estate investors they've served and what experience they have, because it's kind of a, a unique niche. And, you know, somebody that specializes in tax returns for pro athletes may not necessarily be good at helping real estate investors to protect themselves legally and to, to get the best tax write-offs. So. And you know what? Real estate is so great for tax deductions, depreciation, interest write-off. You know, you want to move. It's like Robert Kiyosaki says. You want to go from the employee, self-employed quadrant over to the, you know, the business and the investment quadrant because there's no self-employment tax. There's no, you know, FICA, SUDA, FUDA, all that stuff that comes out of a paycheck, you know. So you want to try to move from that quadrant over to the other side so that way you're, you're not paying all those taxes and you have enough depreciation with, that can offset the income that's coming in from the rental property. Amen. Hallelujah. I love it. <laughs> That's the path. Yes. So if you listeners have not read Robert Kiyosaki's book, what is, is that? I think it's called the cash flow quadrant. You're right. You're right. Remember correctly. Definitely good a good worthwhile read. I know most of us have read the rich dad, poor dad, the beginning book that almost every investor reads or discovers to get started on their path. But I read it on the plane again on the way out here. I'm in a hotel room right now in Phoenix, uh, speaking this week, uh, to a group of investors, but, uh, I read rich dad, poor dad on the plane on the way out here again. Yeah, it's good to be reminded of it. I have a son who's now 14, but when he was 10 years old, I told him, I will pay you, I don't know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks to read the book. And he read it. And I was shocked at how much he understood. Wow. He threw back in my face when, um, <laughs> you know, different times. Maybe that's kind of a harsh way to say it. But he would start saying things like, well, you know, mom, that's not an asset. That's a liability. I'm like, what 10-year-old knows those words? <laughs> that's <laughs> great. That's great. You know, I love it. a liability, right, mom? Like, yes, I know, honey. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, great. I mean, get your kids, your teenagers to read the book, incentivize them, whatever, just to open their mind. Because so, I've heard so many investors say, I wish I discovered this book 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or whatever, just to open your mind and let you see what's possible. Exactly. Well, um, we're wrapping up. We got about five minutes left here. So maybe give us um, some of your best advice if we want to learn about this fantastic strategy. Um, how we get started? What's the best way to get educated on this? Well, probably the best thing to do is get a copy of my book, Hut Homes Half Off. <laughs> awesome. And how would someone do that? Well, it is available wherever books are sold. However, we have a special link to give out to your listeners. Uh, I, believe awesome. it, I believe it is larrygoins.com forward slash house flip masters. 
Perfect. Okay. And we will have that in the show notes, listeners. Uh, one more time, Larry Goins, G-O-I-N-S, right, dot com right. forward slash house flip masters. And our, our listeners could use these head homes for flips or for homeowners and training. I mean, there's a lot of things they could do with these, right? Different exit strategies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know people that if, you know, they've, they've sent me emails, contacted me. They said, Hey, I saw your book in the bookstore. I picked it up because my wife and I want to buy a HUD house. Or my husband and I want to buy a HUD house. And I have a question for you. And, and HUD does want to sell them to owner occupied buyers. So they give them a first shot at it. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think of that exit strategy, but the exit strategy could be to enter the house yourself if you wanted to move into it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So um, give us an idea too. I'm just curious, how many offers would you say you make a week on average? And does the inventory and availability fluctuate throughout the year or is it pretty steady? Well, um, naturally the inventory is not as much as it was say two years ago. Okay. That's just the way it is. All right. But there's still plenty of HUD houses out there. And, and, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I mean, people say, you know, you say you can buy a HUD house at 50, 40, 30% of list price, not in Phoenix, Arizona, or not in Las Vegas. Well, no, I'm smarter than that. I know you can't buy one in Las Vegas, you know, because you're right there in the, in the center of the MSA. In fact, I'm near Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's been over three years since I've bought a house in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. But, but I'm buying them all over the Carolinas, all over Georgia. So think about this. I'm buying the HUD houses that are in the smaller towns, smaller communities where people were born and raised. They have ties to the community. They have family there and they want to raise a family and, and they're good buyers. They're good tenant buyers, homeowners and training. And there's people out there with cash money. If you want to wholesale a house, but you're not going to be in the big MSA and compete against all of the other real estate investors. So yeah, I mean, most of the HUD houses I buy are not in the big cities, and they've also been on the market probably 45, 60, 75 days. But I can still buy them in today's market at 50, 40, 30, even 20%. We got an offer accepted today, uh, yesterday that it was accepted yesterday. It's listed for 67, we got it for 32. Holy moly. So help me wrap my head around this. If it's listed for 67, why do they take 33? Like, why wouldn't they just lower the ask price in the MLS? Well, they do. They do. But this house had been on the market about 70 some days and they had lowered it from 70 something to 67, I believe it was. And, and we just, we made the offer and they, they accepted it. And there's no rhyme or reason. I hear people say all the time, HUD won't take any less than 82.5% or 80% or 81. Listen, you're talking to somebody that does HUD houses. And I know, I bought a house a while back. It's listed for 44000 I paid $9,150. <laughs> wow. That sounds like a really good deal. Um, considering my market where that the average price around here would be a million dollars. So that sounds like a great bargain, nine grand. Well, see, you live out there where the prices look like phone numbers. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard that one, but that is very true. Seven digits. Yep. That's foreign phone numbers. Foreign <laughs> <Darn> phone numbers. <laughs> 
Well, Larry, this has been really fun, really eye-opening. I really appreciate you sharing your stories. They're so inspirational and exciting and really great advice. And listeners, I encourage you to go check him out. I'm sure you can learn about him on his website, LarryGoins.com. And then for your free copy of his book, if you want to go employ this strategy for acquisitions, LarryGoins.com forward slash house flip masters. Any final parting words of advice or wisdom you'd like to share? I would. There's a lot of people that watch podcasts, read books, go to seminars, but the number one thing you can do to be successful in real estate is take action. People say that the three most important things in real estate are location, location, location. That's not true. The three most important things in real estate are make offers, make offers, and make offers. Well said. What a great note to end on with that. Thank you for your time, Larry. And until next time, go out there and make some great investments. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks a lot, everybody. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.